welcome to Positively Flourishing, a weekly podcast by me, Cindy Overton, and Dr. Miranda Lawrence. This podcast will unpack our knowledge of evidence-based health and the effects of positivity on all facets of our health. From a patient, me, with Miranda's clinician perspective, there's going to be a lot of our personal experience thrown in as well. We laugh a ton when we're together, and this is essentially an open invite to our table to heal, to grow, and hopefully be in a better place than when you found us. I must warn you, there are a few bad words said, and some of the subject matter isn't kid-friendly. Please take that into consideration when listening, and welcome to Positively Flourishing. Welcome to another episode of Positively Flourishing, um, a podcast with Cindy Overton and Miranda Lawrence. I'm Miranda. And I'm Cindy. Sorry, we apologize in advance for the quality of this recording. We are doing it via Zoom. We usually record in a studio and we're both going to be back in studios, but um, when we can only get in one episode, we're kind of like... I'm actually between patients right now. I saw a patient and then I have another patient in 40 minutes, but we're going to squeeze in episode just so we can keep you guys rolling through the week. And so we don't interrupt any more weekly episodes. We can actually do an episode every week. Right, Cindy? That's the goal. We've got to do it. <laughs> we keep from starting it. And it's like, no, we're going to do it. But I think with us slotting it the way that we are, we can make it happen. So yeah. I'm excited. We get a few recorded this calendar week and we'll, we'll make it work. So, um, Anything new and exciting happened since the last... Obviously, we talk every day, but anything new and exciting that you haven't told me? Cindy, what are you drinking? Right now, I've had... Um, I need a water. Yeah, but I haven't had any water today, so... Are you, are you drinking anything? Like, you have no fluids? I have no fluid in front of me right now. I just went and had a sip of a Coke Zero because I keep it in the fridge. I allow myself to have a couple sips of one a day. Couple sips, man, and ain't even drink no water. Okay, so next your kidneys will be shutting down. You'll be like, <laughs> no, I will drink. No, I drink other things. I'm just right now. I just had a sip of Coke Zero. Okay, work on it though, because you got to keep it with you. I'm drinking water with lemon. Tuesday cuts me half a lemon every day. It's on my desk by the time I get in. I don't know how because I swear I get here at seven thirty, maybe seven forty, and it's already sitting on my desk. She must get here at six. I don't know. And I put stevia in it to sweeten it. And so I make like lemonade, but it's a detox for you. If I was really healthy person, I would put vinegar and cranberry juice in it because that really detoxes you and super good for many, many things, but it tastes like ass to me. So I can't bring myself to do it. My new refrigerator um, is a Samsung bespoke. I think it's like the one it's like where you have the, Yeah. In the door in the fridge, it has the pitcher that refills and you can add your fruit or whatever you want to it. Yeah. So, so her, for if you aren't catching that, cause, only because I've seen it in person, it's just like it's an infused water dispenser. Yeah. I can't believe it. But it also, the doors, you can change picture, like change the panels of the doors to look pretty. And I'm in this new home builders group and I just heard of a frame TV yesterday. Have you heard of that? It's in the same vein as your super high tech fridge. Uh-uh. It's so, you know, how you mount the TV over the fireplace, but then it looks like a TV. I always. Oh, a frame TV. Yes, yes, yes. There's a. Know that it's like, a, I don't know how much it costs. I probably don't want to know. 
<laughs> but they have I it. As a- <laughs> I've seen him on. You know how I like Jeff Lewis that his podcast and he's a decorator. He's like a fixer upper. Um, much, so much more than that now. But he was working on. Um, oh my gosh, some star's house on his last TV show, his TV series, and they had one of those TVs. Um, the guy was the the guy from um that '70s show, the um not Ashton Kutcher, no, not him, the other one. If you said his name, I would know. Oh, I know that. Hmm. Damn, I remember the the darker skin ones. Yes, name. yes, that one. It, that would that guy had that TV, but he oh, also had Gucci wallpaper, huh? Wilbur, Wilbur Valderrama, drama, yeah, Roma, yeah. whatever, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I would have known it had you know. Um, Brandon is working on a baseball player's house. It's fifteen thousand square feet, and I get sent pictures of um, how amazing it is, like all the trim work he's doing and the wainscoting. It's just gorgeous, and they're putting um, wood paneling on the ceiling today. And it, it's really high ceiling. Like, I couldn't even guess. I, I mean, I'm horrible with guessing, but I would say probably, I don't know, 30 feet in the air because it's the foyer. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. 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 And so it is a very nice uh, house in a nice neighborhood in Baton Rouge. But my house that I've been planning on building forever, I, at some points it's gotten over 4,000 square feet, but it's still under. But it's a five or six bedroom. So I really don't feel like that's a lot of square footage. So I had seen the floor plans for this house and thought, it's very close to my plans. So I couldn't, I was like, how is it like almost the same layout? And yet it's three over three times the size of mine, you know, almost. I guess the rooms are three times the size of what you have planned. Yeah. So so I went and walked it um, about two weeks ago, I think, and um, got to see it. And yeah, there's some seriously extra stuff in there, but, but oddly enough, not as big as I was expecting it to be when it's the same number of rooms if that makes sense yeah yeah so nothing was so crazy the man cave was just the biggest part um so i have something interesting story. yes i can't wait to hear so <laughs> some really weird stuff's been happening at the clinic lately in relations to you know that person that um did all the bad stuff to me well they did some more bad stuff to other people and so they they pop up randomly at the clinic and you knew this so um just you just never know and ashley roberson which is my for anybody living in louisiana this you'll know who i'm talking about she is a mom and her son was playing for a local high school football team and he died of a heat stroke um and she now has the remy hidalgo foundation and she raises money for um high school for football teams to have um these tubs that they can soak in, but she's very, I've known her before. Um, um, she, she, I had seen her before at the clinic, but she works for me now. And is my client concierge to make things like run smoother, but she's new to us for like working for us. And all this weird stuff has started happening since she started working for us. So, so whenever it does, it's, it's a lot of fun to be honest, because it's first time it happened. Um, this guy showed up who has a similar story to me. Um, this person had stolen money from me and then opened up a competing business doing the same thing. Right. You know, I was at the 1300 block and they did it at the 700 block. Well, well, the same person that did it to me did it to this guy and they, she stole money from him and then 
opened up a competing business on the same road as Which his is business. not the same type of business that you have. It's not like the same type of business. No, that no. So he came, he came to my clinic ready to fight, thinking, searching our names. And I guess that's how everybody else keeps finding me because I have nothing to do with this person. And so I'm actually having to change my number. That's not the funny part. But because of that, the girls are on high alert because people are calling to complain about this person. And I'm like, I really have nothing to do with her. I, I, I am just as SOL as you guys are. And I'm really sorry that that they did this to you. So um, I'll leave out all the phone call things. But yesterday I'm walking out, just really weird phone calls. That'll be a personal thing. It has nothing to do with this podcast, but this part does. But you'd have to know why. I had to tell you that backstory to know why this part is so funny. Because these people have come by and and it's not just one person. It's been several. And then the phone call thing happening. The girls are on very high alert, especially Ashley, because she's had to see it and deal with it. She's the one at the front desk. So yesterday, I'm getting ready to leave the clinic. It's happening almost on a daily basis, honestly, at this point, that somebody new wants to come talk to me about whatever this is. Um, so yesterday, I'm walking on the building. Tuesday's walking behind me. And this SUV pulls up, like, kind of sideways. And so Tuesday won't leave my side. Well, she's, she, she's not at my side, but she won't leave the parking lot. And it's a woman, so I don't think anything of it. I walk up. She's like, hey. And I was like, hey. And so I walk up there, and she's like, what does Cindy Overton have to do with this clinic? And I was like, um, why? Because, you know, so many weird things have happened. that I can I, see my face right now. I didn't expect this. I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. Because Ashley's like, you know, the first time somebody came by, she was like, I thought I was being pranked because of what this person was saying. They were just, Ashley was just like, I was waiting because I like to prank people. So she thought it was a joke and a practice to see if she could handle the client concierge part. And so, but then the other girls come to the back, you know, this is backing up to the first person that came that was wanting to, they weren't wanting to tell me about what had happened to them. They thought I was somehow involved with this person and was kind of aggressive about it, which I understand because they, they were wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were very angry. And, and I totally get that because I'm angry about what happened to me. And at the same time, like I've had a long time to process it and, you know, the courts do what the courts do. It's fine. But, um, because of that, the girls on high alert and Ashley was like waiting and <laughs> always kind of concerned about what's happening next. She's like, I just don't understand how this happens to you. So this lady pulls up, she asks what Cindy Everton has to do with the clinic. And and I'm not defensive, but you know, we're always like, what is this happening? You know, what's next yeah. now? And so the lady says, her name's so-and-so and she works with so-and-so. I don't want to say it because it gives away her identity. But um I was like, okay. And she says, um, well, I was just told that Cindy owned it or partly owned it. I, I knew you owned it. I was told you owned it. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm guessing somebody said the blue hair person owns it. But um, I, she was like, yeah, I was like, my kids told me. And I said, well, she said, well, who is Cindy to you? Because I'm still not answering her questions because I'm on guard with the stuff that keeps happening related to this person. Do I and know this person? Obviously not. I'm about to tell you. <laughs> there is a point to this. I'm blown away right now. Okay. You know, so. She's in the back, just like. I will, cause I got in the vehicle with one of these people okay, <laughs> and I didn't think anything of it. I was hot. Okay. But all the girls actually like, 
she's sitting, you can't, they, they can't see me, but she's sitting, she's tall, but this. And then when I get in the car, I guess she had been periodically peeking to make sure I was still there. And then when I disappear in the car, her eyes go like this. And she just stays <laughs> with her eyes, like watching the car. And then I guess she must have told Tuesday because then Tuesday comes back out there and she was like tapping on the glass and she's like, nope, nope, this is not okay. Get out of that vehicle. And I was mm-hmm. like, it's okay. So now um, I'm talking to this lady. She's asking me to send you over to Tuesday takes a picture of me talking to this woman and says, um, sends it to our group chat, Flourish group chat and was like, look at what she's doing now. Another random vehicle. <laughs> but the lady said, well, my kids told me, she said, Cindy used to teach my kids down in Maripaw. And they told me that um, they listened to this podcast that, that she has that she, and I was like, oh yes, Cindy does own the podcast with me. She's a, she's a co-host. I said, she's the main host. I'm just co-hosting it. No, we're co-host. I said, I said, but when kids, are you saying children? I said, cause we say a lot of rated R stuff. And what cracked me up about this is then I was like, oh my God, Cindy's kids that she used to teach are now old enough to listen to her podcast. <laughs> I've got, is, is she had multiple kids that I taught? I had two, and I really felt, I didn't ask their names, but I really felt like it was a girl and a boy. And she said they were 17 and 18. What kind and of I was a white SUV. I'll tell you her name and where she works after, after we're not on air anymore. It was just funny to me because then I got it. Like the kids are like, oh, she owns Flourish because we talk about Flourish so much. yeah. yeah. Own the podcast with me. I don't know that we own it, but you know, whatever. So then when she says kids, I was like, oh no. I was like, our podcast is not for children. <laughs> I was like, it's no. devastated. I was like, you might really want to get like not let them listen to it. And she's like, oh, well, they're 17, 18. And I was like, okay, well, they can listen to it, I guess, then. But FYI, it is not the blonde. Was it a blonde lady? Oh, don't be asking me that. I'm really bad with hair, but I think so. I think it was blonde. Mm-hmm. The name start with a C. Or a K. I'm about to text it to you. Okay. I was just going to bother me. <laughs> just so we can move on to the thing. Yeah. I thought it would be funny. That uh, is hilarious. <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about? Now you just got to wonder. Well, say hello to your kids, Cindy. They're listening to you. Hi, kids. I love you. You know I do. They're probably coming to get some more life lessons from Miss Overton. They're coming to the wrong place. I just think this is so hilarious that the idea that you're because, you know, everybody that comments on Facebook is not older people, but like normal adult. I understand her children are now adults. However, I just would never have guessed it. So I was like, oh, I I have to save this piece of gold. for. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, because in the classroom, they would probably get the same life lessons. Like I never sheltered what I just filled. I filtered. But we would have some some talks, you know, about life and get. So what grade did you teach? Fifth and sixth. I mean, that's still really young. I'm not really young, but middle school Mm -hmm. age stuff. So, yeah, there's not a whole lot. You had to filter a lot. I had to filter a lot, but they got what I was trying to say. I mean, it was almost like this is not what we were going to talk about today. And I don't want to get off on this tangent, but it was almost to the point of parenting. Like if you go spend the night at a friend's house, you don't go in the parent's bedroom. You like make sure that you change clothes. Like, you know, I mean, like all of the little life lessons of keeping yourself safe. It was just stuff that sometimes parents didn't think to tell their kids, you know, with that they never experienced stuff or 
you know what I mean? Like I, I would have down, I mean, not sex, but definitely to keep them safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't what, do this. Don't do that. If you're, if you're, you know, spend the night with her at a friend's house and the teenage brother asks you to come into this room in the middle of the night, you know what I mean? Like keep your space. You're there for that. For, you know, just stop, you know? I feel like you, even though we had planned to talk about something else, I feel like you just named the topic. I think we like now that has to be the topic. What's the topic? Well, we've talked before about pedophilia and keeping children safe, but I don't think we've actually spent an episode talking about the prevalence of child molestation, rape, et cetera, warning signs, keeping them safe. We've talked about it in regards to our personal histories. Right. We've made an episode of it. I mean, I'm down for that, but I really liked your topic as well. Um, so that's, we, have time. we have time. We, we are completely on the fly here. <laughs> like, <laughs> we just shifted topics. I think, I mean, it's fucking dark as shit, but um, let's do it. I think that God has a reason for everything. And so I got goosebumps probably- when you said it. So I agree. Well, let's do it. Um, so I was molested a lot as a kid. We say that in um, another video. I ended up, um, they were all members of my family. Uh, I ended up in a uh, consensual sexual relationship with a man 21 years older than me um, as a preteen and then a teenager, which really. I can't be consensual. I know you always say it's consensual, but you weren't old enough to consider. Right. And I just listened to Woody's um, Real Life Real Crime Dailies. just because Woody has several podcasts. So just to clarify which one and the ultimate survivor one. And he kept, every time she's like my fault, he keeps telling her, um, no, you, you can't be blamed for anything. Um, and to clarify, this is not the actual statutory rape victim. It was was the daughter of the raper who kept making the daughter keep his secrets. So, um, so if you've, so I'm in a, I think you might be in it too. Are you in Go Naked? I've never, I hadn't heard of it until I read your text today. Never heard of it. Okay. So Go Naked is a local group for Baton Rouge women. It's just about anything you want to post, but it's women only and it's natural. And I want to say it was in Go Naked. A mom posts this question and says, um, and if I'm, if it's not in Go Naked, I'm really sorry to the admins at Go Naked that I'm, I'm just don't feel like I'm in a lot of groups. So I feel like that's what it was, but anonymous posts post that, um, her daughter, I want to say she has shares custody with the father of the child and the father of the child has a one bedroom, maybe doesn't even have a one bedroom. Maybe it's a studio or something, but the daughter doesn't have her own room and sleeps in the bed with the dad and that the daughter's, I want to say nine years old. She feels it's inappropriate. She wants to force him to at least have the daughter get a bed. And she asked the other woman in the group, what is your opinion on this? So before reading the comments, I said to myself, I was like, absolutely not. That's my knee-jerk reaction. I always read the comments because I find it fascinating on any topic. I find it fascinating how people can see it in a different perspective. Not that my way is the only way, but like if it's so far different than me, I'm like, how how can how we did see? You come to that right? So I I just love it. I learned so much about so many things, mm-hmm. and so everybody but me <laughs> was like, I don't want to say they weren't all shaming this woman. But um, everybody else was like, this is kind of, you You might be the one with the problem. Um, 
unless she said that he's doing something to her. If she says she's comfortable sleeping in the bed with him, you know, um, that you should just let it happen and just make sure she has a safe space to come to you if something, you know, just tell you anything if you were being touched. Um, and then um, some people are like, you know, you should probably question why that's such a concerning thing for you. So then I tell this mom, I said, hey, I just want to let you know, um, I'm a sexual assault victim many times over. And I mean, I don't remember a time in my life that it wasn't occurring, I guess is what I'm trying to say as a child. Yeah. Um, And I said, I had the same reaction as you reading your post. I said, so I'm going to assume that you're also a victim of child molestation. A survivor. A survivor. And so if that's the case, I just wanted to let you know you're not alone and I'm sorry for what you went through. Yeah. And the only thing this person responded was thank you. So that would lead, lead me to believe that she also was. Yeah. So I think. But the ex-husband would know that. I mean, I would venture to say the ex-husband would know that. Who knows? You know, I mean. Because in childbirth, um, there's some telltale signs when we're, you know, I say delivering babies just so people, lay people can know what I'm talking about because in the midwifery world, we call it catching babies, but then people are like, what do you mean catching babies? So when I am attending a delivery and I am the person catching the baby, delivering the baby, the pregnant woman, you know, when they're an abuse victim, they handle childbirth way different than a woman who has not been, been molested or raped. And I don't think, I don't, I don't have this reaction but it's really common to have it. And so there's just telltale signs that they, they might've been suppressing it their whole life and nobody knows, but we know when it happens um, that, that they have this. And so you just never know if the spouse knows. I feel like I definitely, it's not something I definitely tell people like at the beginning of a relationship, I tell people that when it's gotten serious. And then obviously in the dating world, as I've been dating, there's, and I think I've said this on, on the air before on air. I don't know why I say that, but on the podcast where several people I would meet match with on Bumble or whatever would then come listen to the podcast. And I'm like, Oh, you're really going to get to know me really well. Then, you know, that's a little bit, I'm glad they do because you know, hell, but, but that lets me know they're interested. Read them out real quick. Right, right. Well, well, if you ain't gonna, if you can't make it through that podcast, but you're about to learn some stuff today, but um, you're gonna learn more than you wanted to learn. So kudos to them. Definitely not knocking it. Don't want it to come off that way. But, um, but then they would learn that I had this abuse history, and it's. I found it fascinating the parents that that just I didn't know that there are parents that didn't view it the way I did. Yeah, you know, it never would. I might have would have thought, I just love, before I look at the comments, I just love thinking, oh, I can't wait to see how different their opinions are going to be to mine. Yeah. Open up the comment. And I was like, not a single one supports this woman. Like I was like, fascinating. So I'm like, I think you're right. I think parents probably don't warn their children enough because maybe the whole world isn't out there getting molested. Like, yeah. I didn't know that. I had no idea that that was, I had no idea that I assumed 
I had no idea that the reason my children being uncomfortable with other people, particularly male adults, stemmed from was not, I knew it stemmed from my molestation, but I didn't know that other people aren't as worried about it, I guess. Right. I'm more of a hypervigilance. Right. And I assume they were still vigilant. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. So. Right. And you, as a, as a teacher, like they, you know, you see the post on Facebook is like, you know, kindergartners don't need to learn about the, you know, like there's always a, there's posts about like, obviously conversations that teachers should not have with students. And that is absolutely true. But the way I always posed mine was etiquette. This is the etiquette that you follow when you go to a person's house. So I never said, like, I, you know, I was like, you really can't tell them about molestation. I could not have a sexual converse. No, I couldn't talk to my fifth and sixth graders about molestation. I mean, I heard what you said when you said, don't go in other people's bedrooms. I just looked at that as you were saying, like, if they lead you, like, don't go in there with them. So I thought it was in the same vein as that. Well, it was in the same vein as that, but I had to preface it, not in that vein. I had to preface it as, look, I'm here to teach you life skills. I'm your teacher. We had, you know, when I would teach them place settings and how to properly use things, but we would also have like etiquette of how to greet someone because kids don't even know how to answer a phone anymore. You know, hello, what, you know, this is she, you know, they're not asking to speak to the parents anymore. There's none of that happening anymore. There's not a house phone ringing where a student, you know, you're, you have to answer, you know, so in Overton residence, you know, may I speak to your mommy, please? One second, please. None of that's going on anymore. Right. So they start, they go to get a job and they are like, yo, what's up? Answering the business phone. They have no idea what they're doing. So I literally took, you know, so it was etiquette. When you go to spend the night at a friend's house, if those mommies and daddies say, hey, we're going to have Saturday morning in bed, let's all come in here and watch TV together, your eyes, exactly. I'm like, no, that's not the proper etiquette. If you're at that house, you don't do that. If they ask you to, you don't do that. Like, that's not proper for you to do. And if you've if that's the situation, then you need to call your mom and say, come and get me now. How long but did you that, four years. So I never said like, oh, they were, they're about to rape. You know, I mean, I didn't say like, <laughs> I would just say that's not proper etiquette. When you do what I would be fired so quick as a teacher. Right. And I would say like proper etiquette. I like at my house, sometimes you can walk down the hall and see my bathroom, my bedroom doors open, my bathroom doors right there. You've seen that. I'm not going in and closing my bedroom door, then my bathroom door. I just go to the potty because you can't see my potty from. So I'm like, when you go to someone's house, you close that door and you lock that door. And then when you're, you know, etiquette, but it was all in the frame of keeping them safe. But they, now might know that and put two and two together, but at the time they wouldn't have unless now, they needed to. Right. Or if they had already been around it. Right. In that for you, did you ever, and I'm sorry for you guys, I don't know how this is going to record, but there's a lag. So the reason it sounds like I keep interrupting you is I'm not trying to interrupt you. It's because it sounds like you're done and then I keep saying something. So I apologize. I'm sorry. Um, no, no, no. It's, it's something with the recording. Um, in that four years that you 
taught? Did you ever have a student come to you and, and tell you that somebody had molested them? Yes. Had they already told their parents? I immediately turned it into the counselor um, and just did, I didn't ask questions. Rule number one and reporting. Oh, you're not allowed to ask questions. Do not ask questions. Very interesting. I knew teachers were mandatory reporters. I did not know you had different roles. I know it's not a different rule. It, it, thank God Woody taught me. You cannot ask questions. It would be a leading question. And it might plant, you know, you put different, you just report it and then let CPS take over. You cannot. In my, world, in my world, though, it's different. You know, like usually what I see that I've had the mandatory report on is suicidal thoughts, you know, or I've had a few people report that their kid was molested, but I don't, you know, I don't see kids really. And so it makes it, it kind of blurs lines, you know. The only reason why I knew that is because of Woody and the law enforcement experience and, and then the personal experience that not my personal experience, another personal experience of someone very close to me. Yeah. Um, I hope that they're teaching um, when they do sex ed these days. I know in attachment parenting, we say, you know, call your genitalia by the actual names, as in, you know, people think of like cutesy names for vaginas and they'll call it like tulips or damn, I don't know what people call it or their penis. They call it wiener or their ding dong or their whatever the hell. Goobers, my mother called my brothers. Yeah. Help me. Um, but you're supposed to. So when a pedophile comes up to them and calls it by another name, they're not like used to that. They're like, that's your vagina. So there's no pet names and they don't like, you know, use it in part of the the whole grooming process. God help me. But um, when I was eight years old in, I was growing up, I grew up in Fort Myers, Florida, and uh, it's different than how I see it done here. Whereas instead of like, them stopping at every house if it's a neighborhood there's a bus stop so everybody in that neighborhood gets off at the bus stop and you know it could be 10 to 30 kids I don't know but it keeps the bus driver from having to go to house so I was at the bus stop and um my brother goes was three years older than me and so we're there's plenty of kids that get off at this bus stop me and my brother go on the same road we're obviously headed to the house but he usually would walk in front of me or ahead of me, but he was showing, he like stopped to show a kid a drawing. And so I kept walking and a car pulls up next to me. So I'm eight years old, car pulls up next to me and I'll never forget it. It's like a grand, a wagoneer or something. It's a white car with the the wood paneling down the side. It's a station wagon. Um, Cause I used to see it a lot back in the day. And every time I see the car, it brings back this memory, but he walks up next to me or he drives up next to me. I'm sorry. I'm walking and I'm actually can see my driveway, probably eight driveways down. My sister's outside working on a car. She was a mechanic. Um, so I can see my sister and my house and he goes, um, you know, Hey, what are you doing? And what's your name? And I tell him, and then he says, he asked about what do I have a pussy? And I said, yes. And I did have a cat. <laughs> and so my cat's name is God though. Um, uh, and the full name is like the orange cat in Spanish. 
I would say it, but I'm going to butcher it because my my dad growing up was. But on or haven't said orange in Spanish in so long. I, as a child, I remember it with no Spanish whatsoever right now. And my freaking sister-in-law, if she listens to this, who is a Spanish interpreter is going to kick me. Like I married into a Hispanic family. So I hope to God none of them are listening. But it was like Delgado de Ore is how I remember it as a child, as an eight-year-old child. My dad needs a call. Obviously, when I was too young to speak, even English, much less Spanish. But we called the cat Gato for short. And so he says this about that. And I was like, yes. And then he says, well, what color is the hair? And of course, I say orange because it's a fucking orange cat. And then, um, you know, I think he said, is it straight or curly? And, you know, now I'm like kind of getting like I'm eight, you know, so also not stupid. But, you know, at eight, I would have been stupid. I like, wouldn't know. Kind of like, why do you keep asking about my cat? And then, so I must have got like a feeling of like, I don't really like, why is this guy asking about Gato or something, you know? And I think kind of like subconsciously, I had a feeling that the reason he was asking was not about the cat, but you know. And so then I start like taking a step forward towards my house because he had stopped me. So I'm no longer walking towards it. And I was walk, so I, I started to walk and he drives with me. And I was like, oh, like, don't like that. And then so I back up to go close towards my brother and his group of friends. And he backs up with me. And then I just freeze. And I, like, look at my sister. And I can see her. And I was like, I'm going to fucking run for it. Yeah. And I did. And, like, hell. And he he goes to grab me. Like, he gets out of the car. You know, because I, I, he goes to back up. And then I, ba- I back up. He goes to back up. And then when I freeze, he stopped. And so I'm like, oh, God, you know, what's about to happen? And so he just had a split second to grab me. And thank fucking God I was quicker than him being able to. I'm sure he was like, you know, he may or may not have known that was my sister. Because what it came out to be, mom, he he leaves. He does not catch me. He doesn't even touch me. He does get out of the car to grab me. But I take off running and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. My sister's name. Screaming, screaming Melissa at the top of my lungs. And he takes off. And so I tell my sister about what happened. She's like 15 years older than me. So if I was eight, she was 23. Yeah. So she was like, hey, get get in the car. We gotta go pay this bill, whatever. And I was like, yeah. Did you just hear what I said? Like a guy tried to kidnap me. Yeah. And I guess like she's driving and so focused on the bill that she doesn't, whatever my brother who is definitely not autistic, but something he's not, he's definitely neurodivergent walking behind me and somehow caught this guy's license plate number and memorized it, even though he didn't know I was in trouble. So I don't know if he just walks around remembering license plates or what, but my my brother's like, yo, do you hear her saying like yeah. this, this, and this? And so my sister turns around and go to the police station. They go to report it. And my brother spots the car drive. I don't know if this is standard. Listen to this shit. I don't know if this is standard police procedure. Woody, if he ever like, he's going to be like, the hell? What was happening in the 90s in Florida? Um, the car is going down the interstate. My brother spots it. He's like, that's the car. Obviously not the license plate because it happened so fast. You know, it, yeah. it's too, it's going too fast and we're off the road. They literally put us in the cop car, lights and sirens. We chased down this car. What? Swear to God. Swear to God. 
Um, and it, a, it was a little black girl he was talking to by the time the cops roll up. And he sits there. He doesn't try to run or anything. And then my, Michael's in the back of the, Michael's my brother. Sorry. My brother's name's Cody Michael Brown. He's in this car sitting next to me. We're like, a, like we're in the cage, like in the back, you know, oh my God. and they're like, it's the exact license plate number. My brother's already said, and you know, they, they ask him what the hell he's doing, talking to a little girl in a neighborhood, you know, he's like, da, 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 and, you know, so they arrest him. Um, apparently there was several neighborhoods. He had been talking to little girls and talking to all of them about their pussies. And, you know, um, he, uh, I was the first one he tried to grab and he confessed to it. And I swear to God, my life looked just like a law and order SVU episode. I didn't know that then, but like, you know how they go and they make you talk to the therapist who like makes you draw pictures and stuff. And they're recording CPS. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's exactly what was happening. And reporters and my mom, like being like, you know, no, da, 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 da. And all that stuff. But I was the only one, like they wanted um, the girls to, the girls that had been talking, saying that they saw the guy to ID the guy. Yeah. None of the other parents would let them or, or the little girls couldn't. I mean, they're little, you know? Right. Yeah. But he, he was a computer teacher at a local college. Obviously he lost his job. He had his own kids. He was married. Um, total seemingly normal person in society. But he and, had lost his job and that was probably his trigger. No, no. He lost his job after this. Oh, okay. From this making the headlines. Gotcha. Um, but I, I remember my mom being pissed as hell. I don't know if this is true or not, but she was mad, you know, because I didn't read the paper, you know. Um, but from my memory, he only got probation for that because he pled it out. Because it was only it was only yeah. into cab- kidnapping, I guess. I don't know what the charges were, and then he, I guess, had an ankle monitor, so he couldn't go around children <laughs> anymore. But you know, in the nineties, if he had got me, they yeah. would never have found me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's no the cameras that there are today. All the technology, we're really lucky. A lot, a lot of that stuff, I, as far as I know, I mean, you might know different, has gotten so much better. But I don't think we do a great job. I mean, those of us who experienced it. I feel like we're doing apparently a hyper vigilant job of protecting our children. So what is rule number one? What's going to be rule number one for your kids as they grow up to keep them safe? Number one thing, and obviously it starts from, from early. Nobody can touch you without your permission. Exactly. That's including myself. So if my kids say, leave me alone, I don't touch them. That's exactly what I did with mine. I always would say, and even in their diapers, I would be like, mommy's going to clean you now. You know, mommy's done. clean." I mean, even as because of that trauma for me, I felt horrible even. And it wasn't obviously I have to clean them. But when you come from that place, it's always that. Yes. The lesson number one from two childhood sexual assault survivors is Teach them bodily autonomy from, and Cindy and I have not rehearsed this or discussed this. This is just winging it as usual, but rule number one, teach them bodily autonomy so that they feel this is my body and nobody can force that. And, and one thing that's really important about that, that I'm sure Cindy's generation grew up with, but I think it's changing. 
I do not force my children to hug or kiss anyone. Not only do I not force them, I do not tell them to. Because you don't know if that person, that that aunt or uncle or that cousin, you're telling them to go hug or kiss, or heaven forbid, the grandparent. I assume everybody's a child molester. I honest to God do. You Every have to. That walks this planet, I assume it's pedophile until they prove other. And, and they can never prove it. You can, can never, never prove, prove otherwise. It. So um, I just assume. And I have never once told my kids. And if somebody says, come give me a hug. I like, I will flat out tell them, no, I don't, I don't tell my children to do that. Yeah. I'll say, do you, can, do you want to go give them a hug? Especially my son with autism, he's nonverbal. So, um, he can't say yes or no. So my family now, I didn't, you know, they, they didn't grow up like that. My family did say. Mine, I did too. I did with my older kids. Go, go give your grandma a hug. I mean, are you know, like. Right. Cause you didn't know better though. No. Did so not now my it. family's used to it. They're like, you know, if they see my kids are like, hey, can can grandma have a hug? That's right. And right. then they come, if they say yes, they come give them a hug. Right. But, but especially my autistic kid, most of the girl, the girls will usually, and so will my oldest son. But my autistic child, Duncan, you know, it's hit or miss. And if anybody, if anybody touches that child, I will go. You won't see nobody go crazier than me over Duncan. Everybody thinks he's my favorite, but that is not the case. It's just he needs more protecting. Exactly. Exactly. So rule number one, they have bodily autonomy, and that's for every single thing that has to do with their body. If you see my child's hair messed up and we're out in public, it's because she told me I cannot brush her hair that day. And I understand that's taking it to extreme for some people, but um, I need that girl to know that there is nobody on this planet that can touch her. That's right. Period. If she says no. So super important for me. What do you think rule number two is? Well, for me, I don't know if it's rule number two, but I think this, the second most important thing I did with with Sophie and LA, and and I did it with a, a little bit with WL. I did not do it with Kate because Kate, you know, is is Woody's and um uh, his Kate's mom's daughter. So well, I role played with them. This is what it looks like. So here is your like. How old did the start? Uh, when probably Sophie was four. WL oh, WL LA was two, two to four, three to five. Like at very like just age appropriate. You know when they like let's say for example Sophie was invited to go stay like go play at a friend's house. Well, here is your safe word. What does the safe word look like? How are we going to use it? Okay, her safe word was wasn't a word; it was a phrase. It was "I want spaghetti for dinner." So if she called me and said, "I want spaghetti for dinner," my ass was across that street because she wasn't far from me. You know, it happened. No. So, but it was okay. There's a knock on the door. Let's. What are you going to do? Like, you know, mom's in the bedroom or in the office doing something. There's a knock on the door. You know, they don't answer the door. Stranger danger. Yeah. All of it. Uh, we're in public. Hey, little girl, come see this. You know, come over here. Come show me this thing on this aisle. Like, where's okay. the toothpaste? Okay. Like, okay. I was originally, I was originally, when you say role playing, I was like, okay, I have not done that, but I have just not. So I was picturing you meaning like, uh, with people like actually touching them, but I no. guess degree to, uh, to avoid the touch we had the role play of to avoid any type of security breach <laughs> I got it I my children I have not yet 
Lily's still young. Four, my my kids are 11, 8, 4, and 2. 11-year-old's kidnapped to New Zealand. Um, over there, he spends the night with people all the time, which obviously makes me nauseous as hell. He never spent the night. He, he had one friend he spent the night with in Virginia. And so I can't say he never did. But that was like a boy's sleepover thing. I was a little bit more comfortable with that. Um, the family came from a different culture. So very um, whatever. But they also stayed. Um, I also got together with the parents several times. And um, and Logan was nine when this started happening. So he was older. But um, but that was the only family ever. There's been several times before that he would ask to stay the night and I'd go over and meet the parents or what have you. And and if it was one family I said no to was because there was an open door policy and there were so many people. I don't want to knock them at any, but okay. They lived on one property and it was several trailers and everybody just came and went from the trailers. Wow. Like, mm-hmm. like, like what I mean by open door policy, various kids, various adults. I didn't know who was in what trailer. I was like, baby, I'm so sorry. What, mommy's just not comfortable. You're just still, still too young. What have you? And, and it is partly that he was too young, but also partly, I have no idea who these people will be that were walking in and out of the house. No, and no. will they notice if my child is taken from, you know, so there's multifaceted things with that. The little boy that he knew then that he wanted to stay the night with was precious. It had nothing to do with the child himself. It was just, I've now been to your home. I, I don't feel comfortable. And I, of course, didn't tell the parents that it was just like, you're too young, Lord. You know, right. Miss you, right. mommy. We worry too much about you. Blah 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 blah. And then um, with Duncan having autism, he doesn't go, he doesn't have friends. And then the girls are still young, so they also don't have friends besides each other. So there's no sleepovers. Yeah. So it's interesting that you then you had you had a different dynamic yourself with Sophie because you she could go across the street and have friends to play with. That would make me so nervous that I I probably I probably couldn't enjoy it at all. I shouldn't even be enjoying. It. I'm not the one playing, but you know what I mean, right? So nerve-wracking. I mean, and she, it was very rare. Most of the time we invited the friends over to, to our house, you know, cause we just played outside, you know, all the time. So hopefully it's just everybody's playing together type of thing and, you know, not alone. And it, that was very, very hard. Um, cause we lived on the border of Mexico. So but this is in Laredo. Yeah. Well, this was in McAllen when we moved to McAllen. So yeah. Um, but it's just, setting up you know my daddy took it to the extreme my safety which was did not keep me from being molested this was after the fact but um it was like noticing distinguishing features on somebody um if someone comes up and starts talking to you immediately identify something on them that you can remember um and so it was distinguishing features for me it was um tattoos of gangs and tattoos of whatever just you know noticing certain features um because he was always afraid that I was going to get kidnapped being blonde and blue-eyed on the border and my little brother was almost kidnapped from a, a grocery store tried to be stolen from a um a buggy so yeah, that's horrible but I know it ha- I also had blonde hair and blue eyes my brother the same brother that was involved in my attempted kidnapping. Uh, his son is half Mexican. And so we did a lot. The mother was obviously Mexican and um, I am not Mexican to be clear. Um, and so we were going to go down to see her family. And he was like, I don't know. Once we got there in Phoenix, he was like, you know, I'm not comfortable with you guys coming down to Mexico because 
Logan, my my oldest child, the one that's 11, was nine months old at the time. And he's like, the kidnapping, the likelihood of being kidnapped, blonde hair, blue eyes. He's like, prime. And I was like, well, damn. I was like, you don't have to tell me twice. Like, I'm the most scared. Per- I'm not scared yeah. in general life. With me, I've I've backpacked Europe by myself so many times. And people right. will be like, are you insane? I backpacked pregnant by myself. But add my child into the mix, and all of a sudden, I'm a freaking nutcase. So I know we we can't talk too much longer. We got about 10 more minutes. So I think this will end up going to another episode. But I I think I want to touch on, real quick, the importance of making sure um, people don't discount the fact that it happens to both genders. Yes. Male and female, but also something I did not know until I was listening to Woody and I can't even tell you what it was. I did not know because I guess when I, I mean, once you've been molested, I don't know. I think some people dive deeper into it and want to know more. And then some people just stay as far as away from it as humanly possible. I, I probably fall into that staying away from it. You know, I have a friend that it changed her whole identity. She's a I'm sorry. No, she's not just a friend. Dr. Jean Parrish, she is a national expert on abuse. And um, she's a sane forensic nurse practitioner. She's been a coroner. Just many, many, many accolades of what she does, what she sees raped babies and murdered babies and everything in an ER setting and also women too. And also men, it, just a SVU type of thing. And right. it, it doesn't have to be women or children. She also sees male rape victims, right. but it's, it's in the emergency room in an emergency setting. So um, she could probably tell us a whole slew more of stuff. And I, when we were going to talk about this originally, I wanted to include her. So we'll probably ask her, maybe not on the next episode, but a pre- another episode. We don't want to keep it super heavy, like three episodes in a row talking about this. It'd be very dark and, and what have you. But if you're listening, I think this is important information for all parents, but especially those who did not were not molestation victims, so you can understand what to recognize. But I said all that to say I did not realize that um, child molesters have a preference. Like they're they're not just pedophiles; they're like a thisophile, and and they're they're into ten to twelve year old girl like prepubescent offenders, right? Yeah, and then prep. Thank you, thank you. And then these really sick fuckers that are into like babies and like then toddlers. And I mean that makes me want to fucking vomit. You know what I mean? Like right. they're not even. They're not even prepubescent. They're babies. But at that point, the the sad, not the sad, but the thing to say is if there are babies at that point and they're then they're grooming on in certain situations, they're grooming <laughs> parents to get to the baby. So, yeah. you know, that's what's scary is this whole adult getting manipulated to allow this baby to be yeah. alone. Yeah, I had posted on Facebook, uh, and we probably need to ask Jim to put a trigger warning on this before it's released or put it on. Um, but uh, it was just that uh, one of the sheriff's department had, it was two pedophiles, and one of them would date single moms who were drug addicts to get to their children. Yeah. And it's their text conversations between the the pedophile that would date the victim's mother and the best friend. And it's disgusting to read just while yeah. and th- nothing in this world makes me want to vomit more than seeing this shit. I just can't tell you. And I cannot, I'm sure, you know, you're, I'm sure you feel it too, but I'm saying like, there's things that like Woody on real life, real crime. There was one episode. It There's stuff with this, with trauma station that I will never get out of my head. 
Do you know what I mean? And I'm not even talking about myself. I'm talking about stories I hear about other people. This damn text conversation will will never leave me. Yeah. But it's basically like the buddy's like, yeah, you know, it only, you know, this could be paraphrasing, like I said, but it, it you know, he's basically like, yeah, I didn't take her long before she left the baby with me. And, oh, I can't wait to and insert sexual act here to a, a, a toddler guys. Like, I mean, I feel like this baby was two years old and the best friends basically like, hurry up. I can't wait to get a piece of that. And, um, and he's dogging the mom. Like the boyfriend is dogging the mom for like how easy it took because she's a drug addict. And he's like, she's just a filthy piece of trash that just leaves her kid alone. Like she's just finally going to kill him. So he's dogging the mother who's, who is bad for doing that. But also, doesn't see just think about this he does not see what he is doing as wrong no no read the phone conversation he's dogging the mother for being being so we're not challenging him to ride all of these things but not saying how could you let a pedophile you know he's just great she made it easy for me so there's a lot of facets to the behavior behind pedophiles that is super fascinating. I wish we didn't need to know that. I wish the criminal justice system made like a speed line to just go ahead and and take these people out. So they they are there's no cure for them. They are broken forever and they just ruin the rest of us. You know, um, and then you know, um, child molesters are more most likely were molested themselves as children. So that is another reason why I think that we need to do something with them because they keep breeding. Essentially it's not bred through the traditional means of sex. And yet it is because by their, by them acting on their urges of what somebody else did to them, they create more child molesters. Absolutely. So I know we're going to have to talk about circle back to this on another episode of the rest of the steps. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about the other stuff you did to help keep your children safe and what you have to give for it. I don't know if vice is the right word, but you have adult children and then you have an almost teenager. Um, So you have different viewpoints than me because my children are still very, very young and, um, and you just got some great tips. You know, I have tips that I do and it'd be interesting to see if we have more that are just alike or if they're all very different. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just, I think it's like you at the eight as eight year old, you following your gut instincts. Like even if you haven't been as a parent, even if you haven't been molested to see that this could actually happen, you have to tune into your intuition and trust your gut. And it, you don't always have to say, yes, my daughter can go spend the night or my son can go spend the night. You can say no and you can't trust that. And unfortunately, a lot of parents look at that as, oh, I get a break. Oh, I get a night off and look for another way to get a break or a night off. Put the right. I mean, because that this day and age, my kids would not ever go to spend the night at someone's house. I, I can count on one hand the amount of time Sophie and LA both went to spend the night at a friend's house. I mean, that just wasn't going to happen. Wow. And, and WL has gone once. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. It's just, I agree. I don't know what the rate is of people letting other people let, letting their kids go, but I agree. I, I hear about it and it's like to aunts and uncles and I get it. You want to think that God help me, your brother or sister 
isn't capable of that. And, and, you know, usually it is more males we hear about, but women can be predators too. But women can also help the men. Like they, people have got to get their head out of the sand when it comes to this. Yes. So it can, it can be anybody. So please don't be naive and be like, Oh, it's, it's my brother. Why? Of course he can go to my brother's house. Hell no. Like why? I, I, you really, really need to question every person your child is around. And you will never, ever regret being overprotective. You will. I, I can't, I just don't think you will ever regret being overprotective. hundred percent. And like you said, stick with your gut. I know I saw mom post in another group. This is in a Richmond group. She said, um, she walked in on her like four-year-old straddling a cousin, which was like 10. And she posted the picture of what it looked like. And it did look mildly sexual. A lot of moms were like, you know, kids sit like that. I have this autistic kid that sits like that. I have an autistic kid. I've never seen him straddle anyone, nor have I seen my daughter straddle him. But um, I was just like, and several others on this post were like, you know what? She's like, I don't know what to do. And several people, myself included, were like, you know what? If it makes you uncomfortable, you don't have to have a reason to why right. you can't go play. You can just say, it ain't happening anymore and never mention it again. That's right. That's she was like, I don't feel like I want my kid to go back over there. And it, she doesn't say if it's her brother's house, sister's house. She doesn't say. She just says, um, I'm just not comfortable with. And is that okay? And we were like, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. And furthermore, you don't have to give them a damn excuse. You don't owe anybody, including us, an explanation for why you're uncomfortable. If your gut makes you feel like you walked in on something that should not have been happening, I told her, I said, my children would never be around that person again. I don't care if it's a child because children molest other children too. We're both sitting there with our hands in the air. I mean, preach. Yeah. Hopefully this wasn't too much of a downer for you guys. Um, When we when we post it and go make it go live on Facebook and you see it, please, please, please leave us comments for what it, even, especially this topic, what more you want. If you're a parent that never went through molestation, you want to know more, tell us if you're a parent who went through it and want to add your story or your pointers, if you want to be a guest the next time we record about it, then come on, just tell exactly. us your feedback. We, we can't wait to hear it. Exactly. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. Sorry, this took a very interesting turn. We had a whole other topic picked out. We might talk about it next time just so we're not doing too much heavy stuff at once. But um, we want we want our focus to remain on positivity. But the only way to do that is sometimes negative stuff has to come up. And posit- protecting our families is a positive thing. It's a positive. But to not go through that and have the weight of that on you and protecting your kids is a positive. Absolutely. Yes. So stay tuned, follow us for more. We'll, we'll reproach this topic again, probably not the next episode to give you a break from the heaviness, but this will be like episode one, whatever the hell child molesters. I don't know. Cindy comes up with the names and she's amazing at it. So you guys stay positive, be blessed and we'll see you in a week. Yes, have a happy, well, hopefully we'll get, no, Jim is going to be off. The man is actually taking a few days off. So it will be after 4th of July that this gets posted. But I'm just glad that he's taken a few days off because I've never known him to do that.
Really? I know he sent me a picture the other night of his eyes super red. And he was like, I don't think I can see anymore. I was like, they do look red, man. <laughs> they do look yeah. red. I'll be honest. Yeah. He, did say, he did say he's always tired. So yeah. Yeah. So hopefully he'll get rejuvenated. And um, yeah. So stay positive, people. Ditto. 